Today's show is sponsored by BMC, and BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? The A-game is when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. That's bmc.com slash A-game. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well as we continue through November 2021. The year continues to, to continue to move forward. We're kind of rapidly moving through Q4 as we get close to the holiday season. Hope everybody is doing well. Let's jump right into Cloud News of the Week because there's a nice little smattering of uh, this and that uh, that we kind of caught our eye this last week or so. Uh, first up is General Electric, GE, uh, has announced they're going to break up into three different companies. Uh, GE, uh, at least during the 90s, was you know kind of looked at as the poster child for how to run a great company, how to uh, be diversified in a lot of different markets. Obviously, you know they were in uh, aviation, they were in uh, electricity, they were in financial services, they were in all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, and their approach uh, you know, maybe did or didn't evolve as well as it should have um, as the market got, you know, more technology centric as opposed to some of the things they were working on. Uh, they, you know, they had this interesting business. But anyways, the reason we brought it up is they announced this breakup and GE was one of those companies that maybe, you know, eight or nine years ago had really announced, hey, they were going to become a software company, right? There's this mantra that we like to throw around all the time that, you know, more and more companies regardless of what they do, are becoming software companies. GE was really on the cutting edge of doing that. I mean, they were making investments in Pivotal Software, Pivotal Corporation, and lots of other things. Um, and, uh, you know, it just kind of didn't pan out for them, right? Becoming a software company was maybe not necessarily their DNA. Uh, maybe they underestimated how long it was going to take to become, quote-unquote, a software company. They were going to be huge in IoT and so forth. And, and I'm sure there still is elements of that. But, uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to sort of watch uh, as companies try and evolve into becoming software companies. So uh, interesting to watch what's happening with GE. Uh, next on our list, uh, and big congratulations to our good friends at HashiCorp, who we've covered for a very long time, uh, all the way back to when uh, Mitchell was first just working on on the Vagrant product and barely, uh, you know, barely making ends meet, as he would say. You know, uh, he had was making a little bit of money as a, a VMware license for Vagrant, and they, you know, he had this open source project, and uh, they announced that they are releasing their S one, uh, all, all of their sort of financial information ahead of a planned IPO. So congratulations to them. Uh, I think, uh, you know, looking through the S one, it looks very promising. Uh, we're actually going to cover uh, looking at that in one of our Sunday Sunday perspectives coming up because they're a company that's been really interesting to see how they've evolved, especially in the open source open source space and, and more so into new cloud services space. So, uh, congratulations to that team. Our friends at Datadog, uh, longtime friends of the show, longtime sponsors of the show, uh, acquired Ozcode, um, going to help them uh, be better, at, you know, expanding out the observability space, really bringing live debugging uh, to, to things. So uh, the observability space continues to grow uh, more and more areas in which um, the technology becomes relevant, uh, those foundations of monitoring and, uh, you know, synthetic um, 
replication of what's going on and so forth and so forth, you know, monitoring databases, uh, you know, looking at observability, all those things are going on. So congratulations to the Datadog team. Uh, their stock has been growing like crazy lately, so uh, doing very, very well as a business. And the last two things we wanted to announce, or not announce, but sort of talk about just briefly was, uh, you know, we always do our announcements of sort of the, the big cloud providers, AWS, Azure, and Google. We did that last week. They do their quarterly numbers. Uh, and then Cloudflare, Cloudflare and DigitalOcean also announced their numbers. And we thought, you know, as we're seeing and we've talked about, you know, sort of different smaller aspects of the business beginning to sort of chip away at some things, the big three maybe not covered nearly as much in the case of, of DigitalOcean, some of the small medium business uh, types of services. And in the case of Cloudflare, um, there are two offering that uh, may potentially be very, very interesting in competing with, with S3 and, and disrupting some of the data side of things. Uh, Cloudflare announced their numbers. They were up 51%. DigitalOcean announced their numbers up 37%. So we're going to kind of add them to the list of uh, companies that we want to keep track of in terms of announcements, in terms of clouds and, and how they're doing and kind of, you know, who's who's growing fast and who may be uh, slowing down. So with that, I'm going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. Uh, we have a really interesting interview. We, you know, we... Um, you know, we talked a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, kind of uh, interconnecting multiple clouds. But, uh, you know, this time we're really going to dive into it with a uh, uh, new guest, uh, Megaport, who we're really excited about because they, they really bring a lot of experience around, you know, how do we get from the edge of wherever your workers are, wherever your data is, wherever your applications and workloads are, and, and bring those into the cloud and really dive into what are the technologies and uh, the evolution of how that virtual edge, um, especially with COVID moving us all around, um, has been evolving. So we're going to get to that right after the break. Today's show is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. You know how much we value ongoing education on the Cloudcast. And CBT Nuggets is exactly what Aaron and I wish we had when we were trying to get our certification early in our careers. CBT Nuggets is all about bringing a personalized touch to learning about cloud computing, virtualization, networking, DevOps, and much, much more. Whether it's their hands-on labs with personalized coaching or the online chat functions that come up with every instructor-led course, CBT Nuggets' team of experts is always there to help you get the most from your training and your PASA certification. You can check it all out at cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast and sign up for a free trial. You get access to the full catalog of great training, including virtual labs, quizzes, and other premium features completely free for the first seven days. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a scalable, full-stack monitoring platform. Datadog's synthetic API tests help you detect and debug user-facing issues in critical endpoints and applications. Build and deploy self-maintaining browser tests to simulate user journeys from global locations. If a test fails, get more context by inspecting a waterfall visualization or pivoting to related sources of data for troubleshooting. Plus, Datadog's AI-powered browser tests automatically update to reflect changes in your UI, so you can spend less time fixing tests and more time building features. Proactively monitor user experience today with a free 14-day trial of Datadog. Visit datadog.com slash frontend dash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash frontend dash cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, you know, if you if you listen to last week's show, we dug a little bit into some of the networking that goes on um, in what we called hybrid clouds that we were really kind of focused on on certain ways of thinking about things from, from an application perspective. And one of the things that we get a lot of questions about from people is as they're thinking about their environments that involve on-prem data centers, uh, the public cloud, maybe potentially even connecting to uh, SaaS services, you know, sort of the the normal mix that we see with with a lot of companies is, you know, what happens in between, right? How do we 
not only interconnect with all those environments, how do we keep them secure? Um, you know, if we're beginning to go over the internet, how do we do that in a way that's efficient and, um, you know, takes advantage of, of these new technologies that go on because, you know, people are working from everywhere, our applications are everywhere, our users are everywhere. And so we thought, you know, it would be really good to dig into, you know, how does that work? How does the things in the middle of all of these things that we work on day to day, how does that work? And so very, very excited to have Mike Rockwell, who is Global Head of Solutions at Megaport, one of the largest uh, interconnect providers in the world, uh, join us today. Mike, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Hey, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for the intro. <clears throat> so, um, I'm excited today because, you know, I've, I've told folks many times in this show, my my career started way, way back in the day of, of doing networking. So networking and anything around the network is always near and dear to my heart, but it's changed so much since I was doing CCIE stuff, you know, <laughs> many, many moons ago. Um, before we dive into kind of all the things that, that Megaport works on, give me a little bit of your background um, and, and how you've kind of come to be focused in this space. Yeah, well, speaking about many moons ago, when I start uh, thinking about my background, it's uh, it's kind of crazy to think that I've been a, a sales engineer or a solution architect for uh, the past 22 or 23 years. Wow. Um, <laughs> really grew up on the carrier side of the business. Uh, so I worked for a company uh, called Nextlink that turned into Exo Communications. That's now Verizon. Okay. <laughs> Primarily selling uh, DS1s, DS3s, uh, frame relays for uh, private networks and uh, OC48 and OC192 rings to uh, the wireless uh, providers. So, man, you think back to uh, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, and kind of building into the middle 2000s and the way that we built out networks and uh, how the enterprises built out their networks. It's just really crazy to think about how far it's come. Um, I moved on from uh, Nextlink or Exo Communications and went to a company called Zao Group uh, based out of Bolo, Colorado. And their primary focus was not just on building out uh, different network connectivity models. You know, they still supported Sonnet at the time, uh, barely, but moving more towards high bandwidth wavelength connectivity. But primarily, uh, Zeo was in the business of consolidating uh, dark fiber assets uh, across the globe and did a great job of doing it. And where that kind of built on uh, my experience and actually brought me a little bit closer to some of the points that we're talking today and working with the hyperscalers is building out uh, dark fiber networks. Uh, so I got the opportunity to work with uh, a lot of the the larger hyperscalers and building out uh, you know their networks that ultimately uh, connected their regions across the globe. Also had the opportunity to uh, kind of move into a leadership role uh, with Zio as well. So I was a director of sales engineering there for a few years. But for the last four years, I've uh, been here at Megaport, started as a solution architect, um, moved into leading our North American uh, sales team, and then uh, now I'm managing our global solution architect team. So really what drew me to Megaport was just that they totally were transforming the way that network connectivity uh, you know, really was done. Uh, they brought it into a more modern auto automated type of, uh, of way of deploying uh, connectivity from the data center to the cloud. Um, you know, Anyone who's worked in a, a carrier environment knows that uh, uh, just to turn up one location, it could take 30 to 45 days to turn up a private connection. With Megaport, uh, when I got the opportunity to see what they were doing, to see that they could actually do that in a matter of minutes, you know, it really transformed the way that, uh, you know, I thought about how we can set, set up network connectivity. And then also said, hey, I kind of want to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, so that really brings us to where we are today. No, that's cool. That's, I, I yeah, for for those of you that, that didn't necessarily live through some of those days, I mean, it's, 
um, you know, the, the, the concept of, you know, my, my business is in multiple locations. Um, I mean, it used to be, you had to be a supply chain expert because you, you had to manage getting equipment out there. You were managing how to fly people out to locations and set up equipment for them. Um, all sorts of weird things you had to understand about, you know, all those stuff that you were talking about, you know, DS ones and DS threes and, you know, basically high speed interconnections to the internet, except we weren't talking about the internet back then. It was, you know, companies had private environments. Um, they then overlaid security on top of those private environments. You know, in most cases, every piece of equipment was owned by them and they were all the same. And now we live in this world where, <clears throat> you know, the, the workforce is all over the place, um, even pre-COVID, but now post-COVID, you know, the workforce is all over the place. Where our applications are, aren't in one data center, right? They're in cloud A and cloud B and SaaS service C and, and other things. Um, Give me a sense, you know, from from a business perspective, from a, you know, how do you help those businesses? Where does Megaport fit in in the middle of that picture, right? You know, if I'm if I'm a, a large corporation and I go, hey, I have all this stuff all over the place now. Maybe my IT staff doesn't have a WAN team anymore like they used to, or a, you know, an interconnect team. Like, where's the business value, uh, kind of right off the bat, that that Megaport brings to that company who goes, you know, I just need the connectivity. But you know somebody else can help me make it easier, right? Uh, that's a great question. I think uh, <laughs> going back and just looking at the way that uh, we did things uh, ten years ago, it just it would never work in today's environment, right? People right. want to build out their network connectivity in the same way that they're able to support, you know, building out their applications or running their business in the cloud, and that's on demand. They want to have flexibility. They want to have scale, right? Um, so Megaport really was built, uh, you know, on the business model of saying. You know, how do I how do I get to the cloud provider edge? So anyone who's built a private connection to the cloud knows that the edge of the cloud provider network doesn't sit in every data center across the globe, right? You you ultimately have to get to the cloud provider edge to build private connectivity into the cloud, mm-hmm. and that's really where Megaport, um, you know, was founded. Our our founder uh, owned a, a group of data centers. His customers would come to him and say, you know, I'm sitting in your data center. Uh, this was probably like, you know, seven, eight years ago when Megapore was founded, right? Right when cloud connectivity really was starting to take off or cloud adoption was really starting to take off. And, you know, his his customers would come to him and ask him, you know, I, I need to get to AWS, but the edge of the AWS network's not, you know, in your data center. Right. Well, you start to look to the options of how that happens. Well, I have to go back to that traditional carrier model and build out a, a private point-to-point layer one or layer two type of connection. And, you know, as we, as our founder had the vision of seeing that that's just not the way that customers are going to be able to, you know, more rapidly adopt cloud and also to support their growing business needs over the, you know, coming years. You know, this is really where Megaport was born. And, um, you know, what he did was, uh, one, he built out an infrastructure that connected third-party data centers and the edge of the cloud. So we built out the layer one infrastructure. Um, then he built a layer two network over the top. So deployed uh, physical equipment in the data center, deployed physical equipment in the edge data center where the cloud provider lived, then uh, deployed a software to find a networking uh, structure over the top that allowed the customers to build uh, you know, private connectivity on demand. Also integrating that software to find network infrastructure into the cloud providers. So if a customer now wants to uh, say connect through Megaport, they're able to physically connect in a data center at a 110 or even potentially a hundred gig connection. 
They'll set up an 802.1Q trunk, and then they're able to build logical connections or private layer two pseudo wire ethernet connections to the cloud provider edge. In that process, we've also uh, built out API, and API integration on our platform to where the customer can also, on, in an on-demand fashion, turn up the connectivity with the cloud provider as well. So really the first uh, kind of uh, you know, business challenge that, that Megaport provided in setting up private connectivity was the data center or hybrid cloud connectivity model. Mm -hmm. And now a customer can come onto our platform, they can select from 700 enabled data center sites, they can go into a Megaport portal, deploy a, a one or a 10 gig or 100 gig connection. Once they're physically connected to our network, they can literally turn up connections on demand to the hyperscalers that they want to reach um, in a one-to-many type of approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> you know, again, we're doing a little bit of a sort of back and forth between history lessons and, and today. I, I think the thing that, that people need to understand sometimes is, um, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, and again, this could be just four or five years ago, you know, the, the places where interconnects were tended to be, you know, the, the term that's often used is like NFL cities, right? Like maybe the right. biggest 20 or 30 cities in a given country, um, at least in the United States, and, and that applies somewhat in other places as well. But the other thing that, that people don't realize is, you know, you if you were in the main building of your company, you know, whether that was, you know, a big company or a little company, you had tons of bandwidth because, um, you know, you built around the idea that the proximity of your applications was fairly local. But then when you got to the WAN, the wide area network connecting to other sites or even going to the internet, that connectivity might be one-tenth, one-one-hundredth of the bandwidth that you had locally. Right. So you had these gigantic bottlenecks that would happen. And so, you know, you think about, you move fast forward to today, uh, your applications are all over the place, right? We no longer are, you know, always have them local. Um, and where people start businesses is all over the place. So, you know, if you were in Omaha, Nebraska, or you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, or you're in Austin, or you're in, you know, anywhere that wasn't the biggest city, you know, you you now have the ability to to compete and and be as you know prominent on the internet as as anybody else, and that's you know that's a huge change in uh, kind of the business model that's that's available to them. Yeah, no, definitely. In um, yeah, while the cloud provider the cloud providers continue to build out you know additional regions, those those regions aren't everywhere, and those edge locations aren't everywhere. Right. Um, as you look at some of those kind of I don't know, not the NFL cities, but I don't know if you want to call them tier two, tier three type of markets, right, where the regions don't sit at the edge of the, the cloud provider network doesn't sit, you know, being able to connect in one of those regions, build private connectivity to the cloud provider edge, you know, that's really a, a service that many of our customers are looking for. Yeah. Can, can you walk us through, you know, if you're, if you're a business, uh, we come to Megaport, for example, what are, what are some of the options that we've got available to them? Is it, is it as, as basic as like, you know, on demand and, or, you know, sort of like dedicated bandwidth and, and certain speeds? Is there on demand options? What other, what other sort of options do you present to me that, you know, sort of align to some of my business needs? Yeah. So when you look at the connectivity piece of it, um, you know, kind of in the traditional megaport model of connecting in the data center, you've got that physical connection. So a router to router, router switch type of connection between megaport and, and, and the customer network. When we talk about building what we term as VXCs or virtual cross connects, which are going to be the, the, the logical connections off of that inter, interface and the layer two connections between the data center and the cloud, you know, really customers, one of the things that, that is kind of interesting is, is customers definitely don't always know the bandwidth requirements that they're going to have sure. uh, in building out that connectivity. So again, back to kind of that traditional, you know, network architecture where you build a point to point, you're you're pretty much stuck, uh, or at least it's going to take you a while to change that bandwidth. 
in a you know network as a service and a software defined networking type of platform and you know customers have the flexibility to literally change that bandwidth on demand so on a megaport network uh, you know they literally could scale from one meg all the way up to 10 gigs um, so if you know you're starting out with a, a one gig connection today uh, you run it for a while and realize that uh, you know you need additional bandwidth or maybe even you want to uh, restrict that a little bit further uh, you can go a customer can go into their management console you know, they can make those changes as they see fit. They can also integrate it and automate it from an API perspective. So, you know, really everything that has turned into as a service, <laughs> I think even ordering food now seems to be like as a service, but, uh, you know, everything has turned into that as a service model. It has to be in a, in a consumable form to where I can make those changes when I want to make them and how I want to make them. And I don't want to wait, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's really the platform that we've built. Yeah, no, and, and I, I can imagine, you know, even just over the last 18 months, like that's got to be incredibly important. I mean, you know, pe- people that I talk to, companies I talk to, I mean, the amount of change they've had to go through in terms of where people work, um, you know, the, the, the way that the, the new way that we interact with with markets and so forth changes so much that, um, you know, I may need uh, I may need a bunch of bandwidth for two months because I'm running promotions or, hey, we rolled out this new product and oh, my gosh, it's it's growing way faster than we expected to. And I can't go back and rethink the, you know, the hardware that we bought, like being able to sort of turn the knob up and down is is really important. Um, and you know, as we mentioned on a, a cloud news of the week, I think about a week or so ago, you know, we're now seeing 80% of uh, job openings for things like application developers be, you know, remote friendly. So, you know, that's going to keep changing the way that people need flexibility, companies need flexibility about, you know, not only where people work and where applications live, but, you know, how do you interconnect those things? So, yeah, cool that yeah. you guys can, can uh, you know, just kind of turn it up and down, make it API driven. I mean, again, it completely aligns to what you do in the cloud. Um, I want to dive a little bit into some of the ways that, that this, you know, happens in real life. You guys, uh, you have a, an offering called, called MVE or uh, mm-hmm. Megaport Virtual Edge. Um, it, it combines these two things that I see a lot about, and I don't necessarily know a ton about. Um, one's called SD-WAN, um, and then one is called uh, SACE or S-A-S-E. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how all those things come together. You know, what, what do they do and, and how do those things come together? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're fired up about the Megaport Virtual Edge. Uh, we launched it earlier this year uh, officially uh, with Cisco. But uh, when you look at uh, Megaport Virtual Edge, uh, essentially what it gives our customers the ability to do now is, is host instances on Megaport supply compute across the globe. Um, so starting off the bat, we're working with uh, some of the top SD-WAN providers and customers can now go and get a, a license from uh, one of those providers. They can take that license, they can host it on uh, Megaport Supply Compute and essentially turn up a virtual edge or a virtual router uh, integrated into their SD-WAN platform. Now, why that's important is you start to see, you talked a little bit about you know applications and users being more dispersed uh, than ever. And we talk about the, the global infrastructure that Megaport is built as an as-a-service type of platform. Well, now with MVE and being able to integrate that into an SD-WAN type of environment, customers can essentially deploy virtual pops across the globe. They're able to aggregate over a short hop on the internet, a branch to the MVE. And now they're able to take advantage of that global Megaport network as a service platform and build private connectivity off of that virtual routing hub or, or virtual routing pop 
directly to the cloud providers. So if they want to have private connectivity to access SaaS, say in Salesforce, they can do that directly off of MVE. They can use the Edge Express Connect uh, Salesforce service or private connectivity service through Megaport. They can access AWS and Azure right at the edge of the cloud provider network using private connectivity. And also then build uh, global network infrastructure to tie in their data centers and MV, other MVs that are uh, uh, supported in other regions and essentially build out a, a private backbone in an as a service type of manner. So the way that uh, you know, we really position our, our, our service in MVE is the ability to build out uh, the underlying infrastructure in a modernized form to support a customer's SD-WAN uh, uh, you know, overlay. So really, um, and I, we'll probably talk about it a little bit here down the line, but, um, you know, a, a, a suitable replacement for, uh, you know, certain segments of uh, MPLS to where most customers that want to uh, stick with traditional MPLS type of architecture, like the security and the, the performance that they get from MPLS, the predictability, you know, with a, a modernized uh SD-WAN type of infrastructure solution or middle mile as a lot of people would call it, they're kind of able to take the best of both worlds. They get the short hop on the internet, so typically one hop, then they're building the longer path off cross private connectivity over a SLA back backbone. So they're seeing very similar performance that they would see from their MPLS network. Yeah. And then it also gives them the flexibility to turn up these virtual pops, you know, where the, their users sit, right? So they can get onto the network quicker bringing the edge closer to the users uh, and their locations, but then also integrating those acts or those applications into those hubs as well. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. We used to have this sort of concept, um, you know, depending on where you physically were located, um, you know, created this, this concept within businesses, within organizations that was sort of like, you know, if you were if you were in a certain place, you were sort of a first class citizen of the company. And if you were in a remote location or even a further remote location, you were a second or third class citizen because your your bandwidth was just so restrictive. And you know, they would that would be like a long term commitment. It'd be like, well, yeah, you're working from home, um, and we're giving you equipment that's going to last for three years, and you're getting one tenth the bandwidth that you'd have if you, you know, lived, you know, in the next big city. It's 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 pretty cool that you guys are able to basically be like, um, we're going to make everybody sort of first class citizens of, of, you know, what they want to get to, um, you know, the internet, uh, you know, for as big as it is, is all one hop away. <clears throat> and then what's really interesting to me is some of these SD-WAN technologies, you know, allow you to get to not just an Amazon or an Azure or Google, but services like Salesforce or Office 365 or these SaaS services in a way that, you know, again, makes it seem like you're, you know, as close to them as, as, as possible. So that's, that's really, really cool evolution, um, to see how that's, that's evolved. Um, you talked about MPLS. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail cause we can get really wonky about sure. you know, what all that means and, and the networking of it, but like, give me, give me a sense, you know, like MPLS is a, <clears throat> you know, kind of a, an older, uh, you know, networking technology for those folks that aren't real familiar with it. It basically was a way that you could go over wide area networks or across the internet. It sort of isolated your traffic. Um, it allowed it to have, you know, SLAs and guaranteed bandwidth. Um, but it was, you know, it wasn't the most dynamic thing, but it was really good for if you knew what you, what you wanted. SD-WAN is a little more flexible. Kind of give us a sense technology-wise, what does SD-WAN do for anybody who sees that or, you know, they're having to design an application that, you know, lives out on the internet somewhere. 
Okay, yeah, I think when when we look at MPLS and, and the customers that we're, we're working with, it's typically a centralized architecture, right? Yeah. So if I'm out at the branch, uh, I'm riding over this private network. So I have a private connection out to the branch, one that's somewhat expensive. I have a private connection for my backhaul, typically to a data center. Mm-hmm. Within that data center, I have a stack, uh, a network stack. I have a security stack. So from the branch to access the internet, typically that had to go back through the data center to the branch to access, you know, SaaS or IaaS environments in the cloud went back through the data center. Well, obviously is, um, you know, users, uh, users and applications became, uh, you know, more distributed. Uh, that type of model just really wasn't, you know, you know, conducive. If I wanted to turn up, a, you know, another connection, let's just say I wanted to turn up a connection to one of the cloud providers off my MPLS network. Well, for one, it's going to be pretty expensive. It's going to probably take me 30, 30, 60 days just to get it integrated into my MPLS network. Uh, and that's just to one cloud provider to potentially access just, you know, a handful of applications, right? Right. Um, when we look at moving into SD-WAN, one of the biggest benefits of that is now I don't have to rely fully on private network connectivity on the branch. I can use a, a DIA or an internet connection out of my branch office. I can route over the internet to either a, another SD-WAN endpoint that I deploy in the cloud or in the sense of where Megaport really uh, kind of brings it all together is I can use that short hop so I can I can use uh, the, the internet access and I can save some of the cost potentially on my MPLS network of having private connectivity out to each one of my branch sites. Use that short hop across the internet. I can uh, deploy a, an SD-WAN edge, uh, virtual edge on the Megaport platform. I can then build that private connectivity uh, into the cloud providers. I have full access over the routing of my traffic at the edge where it's connected to the cloud on my SD-WAN network Mm -hmm. to where I can route my applications specifically in the direction that they want to go, right? So if I'm out at the branch and I say, I want this application to route over a short hop to the internet, to Megaport, to say Salesforce or AWS, I can control that traffic and I can send that application specifically over a specific path. Maybe there's still instances, whether it's... um, you know, some type of uh, security or uh, some type of, you know, government regulation where I need to have private connectivity just in basic locations or in just certain locations on my WAN. Mm-hmm. In that particular case, great. Then I can still direct that particular traffic over private network connectivity and keep that private network in place where I need it. But then I can, you know, save cost, save bandwidth and being able to direct it over a megaport solution directly to, uh, you know, one of the cloud providers and, and turn up those hubs and locations where I need them across the globe. You know, in an type of fashion. Yeah. Well, and the reason I kind of asked that question is, um, you know, we get our, our audience tends to be a mix, right? There's there's a part of it that's that's infrastructure and operations and security centric, and then there's a mix of it that's that's application centric. And sometimes when we when we sort of cross those streams, we know that people sort of, you know, they go, ah, it's not related to me. It drops out. And I and I kind of wanted to dig into it because. You know, as if I'm building an application, um, you know, especially nowadays, you know, applications tend to not just be, you know, kind of a, a monolithic, uh, you know, three tier type of thing. It's it's this distribution of of different pieces coming together. Sometimes it's distributed. Sometimes it's made up of, you know, stuff that you wrote, and sometimes it's a SaaS application. And so I, I, you know, I think it's important for you know, application teams to also understand, like, oh, okay, um, you know, there's there's ways that you don't have to build everything into your application if you're like, hey, this is, uh, you know, it'd be great if we could, you know, reduce latency uh, for for this. It's going to give a better user experience. Or, um, hey, you know, the, the requirements are to, you know, tap into something in Salesforce, but also pull this feed from wherever. Um, 
but boy, that seems hard because they're not things that we can control. Like understanding that some of these technologies exist, um, diving into them a little bit, and then maybe being able to ask your infrastructure team, uh, your cloud provider to go, hey, can you guys help me with this, you know, help me with this uh, security offload or this latency problem or whatever? You know, it's good to just sort of have a, a little broader context, I think. Um, and I, I appreciate you kind of giving a scope of, of what that looks like. Um, I want to I want to wrap up a little bit. Um, let's kind of let's kind of pull all this together. Um, it, you know, give me a give me a business case. You know, g- kind of walk me through maybe some of the the types of things that you hear from from your uh, from your customers in terms of like why do I need um, some of these more advanced technologies? Right, like the the need for you know on demand bandwidth, being able to scale that up and down, being able to make that faster. That all totally makes sense because you know we always want faster and better responses. But like <laughs> walk walk me through a little bit of like. Um, you know, people start talking about, you know, SD-WAN, software-defined WAN or, or SASE. And like, what is that? Why would I need that? Where's the intersection between like the cool things the technology does and the types of business problems where that, those, that makes sense? Yeah, I think that's, that's interesting. And you bring up, a, you know, SASE or I guess a secure access service edge, right? Um, I think we brought that up a little bit earlier, but didn't, didn't touch on that at you know, really in, in my mind, I mean, I think SASE means different things to, to different folks, but, you know, to me, the the definition of SASE is bringing the network as a service and security as a service uh, together, right? To where, you know, I have network and security in an as a service va- manner, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully managing that under, um, you know, one service provider as well. So if you look at the, the, SD-WAN providers that, that we're working with. So, uh, you know, we're working with Cisco, we're working with Fortinet, uh, we have Versa on the platform and we have uh, Silver Peak Aruba coming up here soon. Uh, and we'll also have VMware coming on the platform here soon. All these SD-WAN providers are trying to build that full as a service stack, right? And a SASE type of solution is the way that, that they're marketing it. So, you know, what we see from our customers in terms of MVE and where MVE uh, and the Megaport Virtual Edge can you know, help support a SASE type of uh, deployment is that I want to build a SASE pop um, at a location that's close to my users. And I want to be able to build that infrastructure to the endpoints that they want to want to reach, right? So with Megaport and MVE, customers through the SD-WAN providers that we're working with can build, you know, these SASE virtual pops essentially anywhere they want to across the globe, where they can both, one, integrate that network as a service platform and also build that security as a service platform. Um, so customers, like I think you mentioned it earlier in moving to that platform, you know, they don't want to manage a whole security stack at the branch, right? Right. I don't want to manage a router and a switch at the or a router at the branch or a switch at the branch, whatever. And then also have a, another, you know, firewall sitting out, you know, at that branch. I want to have one, you know, uh, one piece essentially, or one provider that I can manage that full uh, network and security stack, you know, with for one it helps me from a security perspective because I don't have to have the knowledge across my department to be, uh, you know, maybe a, whoever the firewall vendor is. I don't need to be an expert with that vendor. I don't need to be have another expert uh, that's uh, an expert within Cisco. I can bring all that in under one platform and manage it, you know, through one one provider and simplifying that approach. So a lot of our customers that we are working with, they're potentially looking to become, you know, less branch heavy and having a little stack, and then you know, more cloud, cloud heavy and an SD-WAN network as a service and security as a service kind of combined platform. So, you know, really across all these providers, that's, 
that's where we we see a lot of our, our customers going and that's you know where megaport platform can uh you know help them to to deploy these solutions yeah well and i, I think it makes sense it, it's you know, every, every trend that we see, every earnings report we see, you know, we're seeing, you know, more and more usage of the cloud, uh, more and more distribution, distribution of where applications are, distribution of, of our workforce, distribution of, you know, where our, our customers are to the applications we use. So it, it, it makes more and more sense to say, look, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to, to keep investing expertise in, you know, our own homegrown way of, you know, getting to the internet, connecting, making sure it's secure. Like I want to continue to focus on, you know, businesses spending their money on creating differentiation for the business, building more interesting applications and, and being able to say, look, I, I can come to somebody like Megaport. Um, they've got expertise. They've got already, you know, existing connectivity between literally hundreds of locations, you know, all the cloud providers I need. Um, I can say, look, that, those days of having to have that in-house expertise no longer differentiate the business um, the way maybe it used to a decade, two decades ago when it was important to say, hey, like we have branch offices near our users. Um, you know, it makes a ton of sense. And the fact that it's evolved so much to a point where, you know, as we said in the beginning, it's it's API driven, it's on demand. Um, I can I can connect anywhere I want to. Um, you know, th- that's, that, that's a huge, huge evolution and good to see that, that all those things are happening. Um, you know, you get a chance to talk to a lot of companies. What's, what's the best way if, if folks are like, man, this stuff sounds like some of the problems that we have. Um, I want to dig into this some more. Like, what are the best ways for folks to, to engage with, with your team, with Megaport, with, you know, kind of seeing how this all would work for them? Yeah, well, they can certainly reach out to me <laughs> if they want. Yeah. Uh, Mike.rockwell at megaport.com. Uh, you know, I think another way that uh, is easy for customers to, uh, you know, engage with us is, is through our website at uh, megaport.com. Um, you can certainly inquire there and uh, we can set up a consultation. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that uh, is unique to our, our crew or our business is that, you know, we are very linear focused in, you know, what we, what we support, right? So, uh, we support data center cloud connectivity in the form of our, our ports and VXCs. We have our Megaport cloud router that's great for multi-cloud uh, connectivity that sits on our private platform. And now we're also able to consult on, you know, bringing all of your endpoints together across your WAN through an SD-WAN type of deployment and building that infrastructure through Megaport. So, you know, we have a wide ranging, uh, you know, we have a wide range now that we can uh, attack in the WAN. Uh, so we love to get together and, uh, you know, really build out that infrastructure, white out that infrastructure with you, understand all the endpoints uh, that customers want to connect to, uh, you know, and try and build the ultimately the best solution for them to, to support their users and applications in the best form that we can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And, and uh, that, you know, we, we keep seeing this evolution towards, you know, more distributed, clouds, more distributed applications and use cases and, uh, you know, being able to, to know that somebody can just sort of take care of that for you is, is awesome. So Mike, I, I want to thank you so much. I, I, like I said in the beginning, um, you know, we've been hearing a lot about some of these technologies. We've been curious about, you know, what happens uh, in between all these clouds that we talk about all the time. And uh, this has been great to really kind of dig into it, dig into both sort of the business side and the technology side. So I uh, want to thank you so much for your time, folks. With that, I'm going to kind of wrap up for today. I want to thank Mike on behalf of, of Aaron and I. I uh, want to thank all of you for listening each week and telling a friend about the show, helping us grow the community. This last month was uh, was the largest month we've had in terms of listens and downloads in, uh, I think, about three years. So thank you all for continuing to uh, to support the show, to tell a friend, and 
give us feedback in all the places you listen on your podcast. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 